Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Think about dibs that I'm sure not everybody knows. <laughs> and first-time partners. Hang in there, big guy. There'll be bright days ahead. Now these two homegrown Bay Area boys finally come together to take over sports talk. Get the hell off of my doorstep. Major League Baseball, you stink. It's Willard and Dibs <laughs> on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, see, like I'm, I'm, I'm not even about it today, Dibs. I'm, I'm, I'm in that that totally opposite frame of mind. The 49ers defeated the Dallas Cowboys. I missed you guys. I missed my brothers yesterday. Oh, you missed it. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so thankful that that, that you and Larry uh, held it down, and I appreciate it. Um, but uh, but I could not wait for this show. I could not wait to get back in. So it, it's a it's a shiny happy people holding hands type of a vibe R-E-M. for me today. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, all I want to know, uh, because yesterday, um, and, and thank you for many who reached out, just, you know, family stuff going on to the point where literally, um, and this rarely happens when I'm off, I didn't hear a word of what y'all said. Like, I was knee-deep in I don't even want to tell you what yesterday. Sure, exactly. What that, so, so, but what I want to know is, you got to update me. What was the vibe. What was the thing that everyone wanted to talk about after the 49ers defeated the Dallas Cowboys? Well, we can start with the unbelievable positive, which was, you know, first and foremost, Fred Warner and the way he played yep. defensively. The defense on C.D. Lamb when he dropped into coverage, his overall dominance from a defensive standpoint. Uh, we talked about Brock Purdy playing mistake-free football, which was obviously very important in terms of what the 49ers did. And, you know, there was some criticism about Kyle Shanahan and time management at the end of the first half and whether or not he should have been more aggressive. I played the cut of Shanahan explaining why he did what he did, which um, I thought was absolutely spot on. There was talk about uh, Levi Stadium and a great crowd and the impact that the crowd had on uh, the proceedings of football game. But a lot of the talk was about what you mentioned in our show thread, the turnover margin. Again, just one turnover, and it wasn't Brock Purdy. It wasn't the offense. Ray Ray McLeod coughed it up, but the defense held strong. Just a good old-fashioned rock fight of a football game, and the 49ers winning in different ways. Yeah, Brock fight, if you will. Yeah, and, totally. And listen, I, I, you know, I know a lot of people want they they want him to look a certain way, and sometimes you know he's kind of had that look. I'd say in the first playoff game, at least those numbers are fantasy football style numbers. Whatever he ended up with, three hundred twenty four, three hundred thirty four yards passing. He had had multiple touchdown throws in every one of his games up until this point, and then he gets to the Dallas Cowboys. And honestly, like we get to Saturday night, 
and the Giants got beat and the Jags got beat. And didn't you have the sense, I wonder if you did, when you went to bed Saturday night and were going into game day, I sort of was like, okay, look at these NFL playoffs. The fat got trimmed. These are the six teams that we've been talking about all year long. KC, Buffalo, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Dallas, Philadelphia. These are the six teams. And so let's go. Let's go. This is nothing but heavyweight bouts now. Right. The rest of the way, the Chiefs and the Eagles have to do one less heavyweight bout than uh, than the other teams, even though they had to win a playoff game. Let's be honest. The Giants did not put up much of a fight uh, against the Eagles. So now here come the 49ers, and it's a heavyweight bout. And I'm not looking for Brock Purdy numbers. I'm not looking for that at all. And I guarantee you that Kyle Shanahan wasn't either. We talked about it going into the game. You got to run the ball. And it took them three and a half quarters to do it. Yeah, they couldn't but run Brock the ball. Purdy, and that was the thing, yeah. Right. They, not until the end. But Brock Purdy, you want to know what, it, what, when they got to the end of the game, I'm like, look, it may not have been aesthetically pleasing, but I know who the, the, had the more mature performance at quarterback, and it was the guy making $700,000 exactly. over the guy who's making $45 million. Man. And that is something to be said. Well, and you look at the way the game played out, and you are absolutely right in terms of who outplayed whom in, at the quarterback position. Brock Purdy had to make maybe three big throws in that game. There was two to Kittle, one to Ayuk, and those were throws that he made. And, you know, the game, you could tell right from the get-go, and I was lucky enough to eventually <laughs> make it to Levi Stadium on the worst traffic in the history of Levi Stadium. I don't know if you saw the SF Gate article, but that will go down as the worst ingress and egress in 49er history in the 10 years of Levi's. It was a complete nightmare, but by the time we all got there and you saw the game unfold, you could see that Dallas was up to it. Dan Quinn had the better of Kyle Shanahan for at least the first half. He was run blitzing the 49ers. He completely took away the ground game. And Brock Purdy in the play-action pass game was ineffective early on. And you saw Brock Purdy take an early sack on that opening drive. They had to punt. And you could kind of get the feeling that that game was going to be a little bit of a defensive struggle. And then you got into the field goal battle. Brett Maher, they score a touchdown. He gets the PAT blocked. And you're thinking, okay, here we go. As much as that game never felt offensively fluent by the 49ers, you never felt uncomfortable because of the way the defense was playing. You know what I would say? In these last, we're at 12 now, right? This is a 12-game win streak for the 49ers. In these 12 wins for the 49ers, how many quarters did you feel in your belly like, uh-oh, I think they're going to lose this game? How many quarters in these tw in this 12-game win streak? Because I would venture to say there have been a few where the nerves were high. Sure, the first half against Dallas, even the first half against Seattle last week. But, Dibs, I'll even go to the Raider game where they were down by 10. I never felt like deep down, oh, my gosh, they're going to lose this game. And I think that that 
that's a really important thing to say for a fan because if you're really tapped into this team, you kind of capture the essence of what's going on. And even though it was obvious that this offense was not going to hum on Sunday the way it had been humming for the previous seven weeks under Brock Purdy, um, there was definitely the potential that it was going to be enough. I mean, like you said, I like the 49ers' ability to win with multiple styles. After the defense that we had seen over the last three to four weeks, I was kind of stoked, to be honest with you, to see them uh, get a grinder. And I mean, holding the Dallas Cowboys to twelve. Yeah, that is that is a resume builder, yes, right no there. doubt. And a lot of that was helped by the fact that uh, Tony Pollard had a broken leg, and so Dallas had no run game after the half. And you know that basically gave the 49ers defense full license to disregard the run because Ezekiel Elliott is more of a name than he is a running back right now. And I feel bad for Zeke because his career looks like it's just about over. He had no ability to gain any real ground uh, in the run game. And he's basically washed. And Dallas didn't have the ability to adjust. And so after Pollard got hurt, Dallas's offense was basically, where is C.D. Lamb and a little bit of use of the tight end. But other than that, the Niners' defense was able to completely dominate the proceedings. And once they got the ball back with 10 minutes left and the Niners needed to kill clock and they had the lead, that was the moment where you realize that the 49ers were going to win the game because that's what Kyle Shanahan does. Christian McCaffrey had a little bit of a calf issue, and we don't know how bad it is. And the word is he will be good to go for Sunday. But you go to Elijah Mitchell, who to that point hadn't really been in the game much, a fresh Elijah against a tired Cowboy defense and that beloved laminated play sheet. You got the sense that they were going to go on an eight-minute drive. They did, and it was night-night. Yep, yep, that's the thing, man. I mean, they, they, they've got a lot to throw at uh, other teams, and, uh, and and I know that people were frustrated by the way Kyle Shanahan handled things right before the end of the half, um, but this was said to me. In fact, uh, this was the point that the uh, the lovely Christy shared with me yesterday, and I think it's a, a, a good point to share with everybody. She's like, look... People are going to sometimes like it, and sometimes they're not going to like it, but Kyle Shanahan has a plan, and he's going to execute it. And it's interesting to me uh, how quickly some people will jump from that wagon, considering where we are. I thought we had put to bed a couple of weeks ago Kyle Shanahan question marks. Now, again, you could be frustrated in the game. Kyle, why don't you go for it? Kyle, why don't you move faster? That's normal. But to get to the point after the game, I saw comments like, Kyle Shanahan's the most conservative play caller in the yeah. entire NFL. What? I'm, he's won 12 ball games in a row. Right. What are, what are we doing out here? Well, what are we talking about? Until they win the Super Bowl, these questions will remain. And for those people, people who watched the game and saw what he did at the end of the first half people were frustrated but for me being there and seeing the way that the game flow was that was not going to be a touchdown touchdown back and forth kind of ball game so the fact that he was keeping Dallas from scoring at the end of the half and then you know hopefully preventing them from scoring to start the third quarter because they got the football that I think was pitch perfect in terms of the way that game was going, but people will always criticize Kyle Shanahan until he wins the big one, and now he's two yep. wins away. 
Well, and now this that, that's the, I guess if you want to find some sort of negative, there is none to find. But if you want to f- find something that's nerve-wracking about this stat, third NFC title game in four years for the 49ers, if they don't win the next two games, it becomes something that people will, oh, good. So, yeah, you're very good at second place. You're very good at third place. That's already kind of been Kyle Shanahan's thing. That was Peyton Manning's thing for a while. It was Barry Bond's thing uh, for a while. You know, the, the whole can't win the big one thing. And, and that's certainly on the line this weekend as well because of the fact that they've gotten themselves back to the mountain again, not quite the mountaintop. All right. Uh, Willard and Dibbs back on track. Road to Glendale is brought to you by the San Francisco Sheriff's Office. Your future begins here. Visit sfsheriff.com to apply today. Howard Eskin, who's a ton of fun in Philadelphia, we will trash talk for sure, is coming up at the top of the hour. But coming up next, more on 49ers Dallas and 49ers Philadelphia. However, there's also a developing situation with the San Francisco 49ers, and it's not a good one. We'll share it with you coming up next on Willard and Dibs. point, you think no big deal, but as Tom told you at the top of the broadcast, he missed four in a row last week. It's never happened. This might be the most anticipated second quarter extra point in history. Maher, it is no good. It was blocked. Samson Evacom, I think, got his hands on it. My goodness. Now, back to Willard and Dibs <laughs> on 95.7 The Game. I mean, first off, we got Howard Askin coming up at uh, at 10 o'clock, and all guests appear on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Listen, I hope that uh, that Epcom is now on Brett Maher's Christmas card list because he needs to thank him for blocking that extra point because if he hadn't blocked that extra point, that thing yeah. was going to be about 10 yards wide left. That was, of all the extra point misses that he had in Tampa, that one was worse. That was the worst kick of them all. Yeah. Yeah. This guy is up in his dome, Dibs. He is, he's gone. Well, he actually did hit a couple of field goals later in the game, and I don't know if it's a PAT-related issue or what it is, but now he's got a, a long offseason to kind of figure it out. And if you look at the Brett Maher stats before Week 17, he was perfect. He hit 24 straight kicks. He was unbelievable. I don't know if it was just the yips. And, you know, he tried to blame it on the Tampa Bay field in terms of why he was so bad at Tampa. And then he came out here. And like you said, the first kick was god-awful. Larry and I talked about yesterday, that thing might have gone underneath the crossbar. And, yes, it would have been about 10 yards wide, wide left. But it never even had the height to make it over the bar. It was like a penalty kick. That was all. Uh, that thing was a hot mess of a kick. <laughs> he came off his foot. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, thank goodness for him. That thing got blocked, or would have been way worse. But yeah, I do think it's an extra point thing. Because you're right. He nailed the field goals, and one of them was a long one. And sometimes that's the way it is. Like everybody thinks of Chuck Knobloch back in the day. Like the throw that he couldn't make was the easy one from second base. Like just that can of corn little throw from second base to first. He couldn't do it. And and so, um, listen, I'm not saying the guy's never going to come out of it or anything. And I don't know what the Cowboys do about kicker next year. But... 
We talk about quarterbacks. We did this to Brock Purdy. Well, what's going to happen when the lights get bright? Well, what happened to Brock? Why aren't we having that conversation with Maher? You just said it. Guy was perfect all year long. And he got to the playoffs, and his head went completely sideways. Yeah, which is, you know, fine now because uh, they're done, and he has a chance to go back and and retool and... You know, based on what Jerry Jones has said in terms of the head coach, the head coach will be back and the quarterback will be back because he's got a massive contract. So are you really going to scapegoat the kicker in terms of why you didn't advance? Bottom line, you weren't as good as the Niners again, second straight year. And now for 49er fans, you get a chance to do something different. Play Philadelphia in the playoffs and be an underdog and go on the road. And, you know, if Brock Purdy is going to continue this dream run, beating Seattle, a team that you'd already beaten twice, fine. Nice win. You're a rookie. I'm not going to discount it. It's a thing. Beating Dallas at home in this rivalry, in this spot, in front of 71,000, that's a big thing. But to go to Philadelphia and win this game and go to the Super Bowl, this is a massive thing. Yeah, it really is. And and both of these, uh, it's a fascinating championship Sunday, man, because I, I, like right out of the gate, you could tell even by the way the lines were established and where they went right. next immediately, there are a lot of people, and I mean nationally now, who are expecting two road victories on Sunday. Um, listen, I, like Patrick Mahomes' ankle, I... I I don't know how he plays, and if he does play, I don't know how he plays well. Uh, the, the way the Cincinnati Bengals turn this thing on come playoff time, they impressed the hell out of me over the weekend, especially after I thought they got kind of outplayed by Baltimore the weekend before. But Cincinnati is confident. They're not scared of the Chiefs. They've beaten them two times in a row. And, and Patrick Mahomes, as everybody who's ever played sports knows, it's one thing to battle through an injury that just happened. While thing, the body is warm. Adrenaline. While you can, you, right, you got adrenaline, you can treat it right there on the sideline, and you can battle through it. But once that man got in bed and woke up the next morning, we know everything about high ankle sprains. And, and like this guy, I don't even know if he'll be ready for the Super Bowl, let alone this weekend. And, and Patrick Mahomes' mobility is a big part of what makes him so special. So um, the Bengals are, I think, in a really interesting spot this weekend. And the 49ers are the 49ers. The spread's telling you that on a neutral field, they actually are the better team. We'll see. I think both these games are really, really hard. But, but a Cincinnati-San Francisco Super Bowl will surprise nobody. Right. It'll surprise no one. But uh, also a Philadelphia-Kansas City Super Bowl would surprise no one because I don't take uh, Patrick Mahomes completely out of the game at this point. And we talk about high ankle sprain, and we will talk to uh, Dr. Narav Pandya tomorrow and get his thoughts on the high ankle sprain and the various grades of it, the degrees of it. Because when we say high ankle sprain, we don't know exactly what the severity of a high ankle sprain is. It could be six to eight weeks. It could be to the point where maybe he could get an injection sensation and be a medication sensation, rather, and he could be able to be out there and play. So we don't know if he's going to be able to play or not. If Chad Henney is the quarterback of the Chiefs, I don't necessarily discount their chances out of hand. 
I don't, I, yeah, I don't take him out of the game, which is why, like, I think if you look at, to me, when these spreads came out, they both told a story. And the spread established in the Bengals Chiefs game at one. Chiefs, Chiefs minus, minus one. one. Yeah. And Chiefs minus one, to me, told a story, which was that Vegas, who always, they've always got more information than we do. They're not willy-nilly. They're not just hucking these numbers off the wall. They're making phone calls. They want to know what's that ankle like, what's really happening, and they're going to get that information. And Chiefs minus one is telling you one of two things. Either Patrick's not playing or Patrick's not playing well. Like and, and that doesn't mean he can't function, and it doesn't mean the Chiefs won't win, but it, it, it is telling you clearly that Vegas is not expecting full-level Patrick Mahomes because yeah. if they were, there's no way that number's going to be at least four. I was thinking five, yeah, but uh, if he had never sprained his ankle and he had never gone out of the game, you're probably right. The spread's going to be four and a half or five. The Bengals have won ten in a row. They're playing great, and they took Buffalo apart in the snow in Orchard Park. So it's not to discount the Bengals and their chances, but if Mahomes was totally healthy, I think you're right. It'd be four, four and a half, maybe five. But I wonder where this number goes because as we get closer to the game, there's going to be reports, and I don't think that we're going to see any report of Patrick Mahomes is out for Sunday. There's always going to be a glimmer of hope. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. For sure. Yeah, they're going to do they're going to do the game time decision thing. We're going to work it out before the game and see and and they'll handle it the same way the Chargers handled Justin Herbert the week after he got hurt early this season in Kansas City. And and I I don't I don't know if he'll play, if he'll play at a lesser level. I, I don't know, but I, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to tell anybody anything. But I wonder if this has ever happened before on Championship Sunday that both of the one seeds were hosting the championship games, and both of them were favored by less than a field goal, which, in other words, is saying on a neutral field, you're not the best team. I, I, like, there's no way for us to look that up if it's ever happened before, but it, it's kind of a rule. If the one seed makes it to the title game and they're hosting it, obviously, that's the only thing that can happen if you're the one seed, um, you're the favorite. You're the favorite, and you're, you're, you're the favorite by more, like, by at least that standard home field three points. So this is interesting now to have spreads that low and clearly a lot of people thinking that the better team is is the road team. Right, but three and two and a half is, you know, almost a nuanced thing. And I know that three brings the push into play. If Philadelphia were to win by three, that's where maybe two and a half, the, the spread will either be two and a half or three and a half because they're going to try to avoid the push at all costs. And didn't this spread open up as Philly minus one and it's been bet in Philly's direction? I thought it opened at Philly two and a half, and then I saw it come down to two and back to two and a half. I looked at it as quickly as possible when the game ended on Sunday night, and as soon as I got there, it was already two and a half. I'm not going to say I was there within minutes, but uh, but as soon as I got there, uh, it was uh, it was at two and a half. And uh, and looking at the live line as it sits right now, it still sits there at two and a half. Right. I will say. Uh, by the way, speaking of which, hell, I didn't even see this. Um, clearly something is going on with Patrick Mahomes because the Cincinnati Bengals are now the favorite in this game. This is the up-to-the-minute line. It has moved a full field goal in the Bengals' direction. They opened at plus one. Right. The Bengals are minus two. Minus two. Yeah, exactly. They're minus two now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this this clearly betters believe that Mahomes is either out or is 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 going to be a lesser version of himself. Well, he'll be a lesser version for sure. That much we can guarantee based on the fact that he had to leave the game, go to the locker room, and then when he came back, you could see that he wasn't the same quarterback that he was when he went to the locker room. But, you know, you got the Chiefs at home. You've got a Bengals offensive line that is still suspect in many ways. I would look in terms of betting at the under in this game because if I'm Andy Reid and I don't have Patrick Mahomes and I have Chad Henney as my quarterback, I'm going to try to win this game 20-17 to 17 if I can. Yep. You're going to see a different Kansas City, even if Patrick Mahomes is able to go out there and we won't know until, like you said, game time, Sunday, 3.30 Pacific time, uh, how good he's going to be. But I would lean toward the under in this game. 
That's an interesting thought. Um, also, you talked earlier about Maher being the scapegoat for the Cowboys. The whole Cowboys thing has been about scapegoats. We're going to get to that here in about five minutes with a what are you doing, but we promised uh, what is some unfortunate news uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, some of you may know this already, but this is just developing over the last hour. Charles Amenahu, past rusher for the 49ers, has been arrested in San Jose um, last night on suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence. The 49ers have released a statement, quote, we are aware of the matter involving Charles Amenahu and are in the process of gathering further information. So the 49ers doing their background checking, their due diligence to find out what exactly uh, happened, what their take on it is. Um, we always, I think, in these situations, we've learned enough to know you got to wait before you jump to conclusions. But I will say this about the 49ers based on whatever they find as they do their research and their investigation into what happened. I also, as a 49er fan, I would hope, I would demand that based on your investigation, do the right thing. If you don't like what you found, then I'm, I'm sorry. There, there's, there, this is a zero tolerance deal, and, and that's got to be a wrap for a guy who has been very, very productive for the 49ers working alongside Nick Bosa. So I'm not jumping to any conclusions, but uh, they're going to do their investigation, and I hope they do uh, the right thing, and, and, and that is following zero tolerance right. if they don't like what they find. Well, and they've shown a zero tolerance policy, and this is where the timing of this is very curious because obviously you would love to have the player available for a game five days from now. So how much of your investigation can take place over the course of the next five days? Because the reports are yesterday at 4.39 p.m., police arrived at the residence and he allegedly pushed his girlfriend to the ground during an argument. No visible injuries were observed. She did complain of pain in her arm, but she declined medical attention. So... It's, you know, this is a case where the 49ers have to investigate as much as they possibly can while also preparing for a game. So how much can you learn beyond what has happened, you know, according to the police report versus, you know, what determination can you make? This is not a an open and shut case where there was a completely blatant act of violence, a felony act or you know, a, a vehicular drunk driving incident or something that was so egregious that you don't even have to really worry about it or think about it. It's going to be an automatic suspension. This is one where I wonder how much the investigation happens between now and Sunday or how long it actually takes to find out. Yeah, look, you hate this. It's a, it's a distraction terrible. at a uh, at a terrible time. There's also a, there there's a woman here who right. you know again. I'm not going to jump to conclusions about. I don't know what happened, and 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 we will hopefully find out. Uh, but but my thoughts are, are are with everybody and anybody who was affected directly by this situation first. That's first and foremost, and then secondarily, there's the timing of this. There's the football side of this, and there's whether or not. Uh, a, a, a billion dollar organization will do the right thing if that's what they find. That's the only thing I can ever ask of, of the sports teams I follow, which is you do your investigation, you work with authorities. If it looks like what is being alleged is is true and, and this is based on your investigation, then you have to do the right thing and make sure that this guy is nowhere near the field on Sunday.
Right, and again, the investigation, you know, how much can you really get into it between now and Sunday, and how much will you get into it between now and Sunday in terms of determining what actually took place and you know, it uh, the charges, according to the report from San Jose PD, misdemeanor domestic violence assault. And how much does that play into how you're going to act in terms of Charles Amenahu as opposed to, you know, a felony domestic assault charge, I think would be an e- a much easier for the team That's a d- d- decision for them to make. So... It's obviously, at the very least, it's a it's a sad, sad incident, and you feel for his girlfriend, who was the victim in this alleged incident, but you also look at the team, and you realize that this is a distraction they didn't want to have. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, all right, Howard Askin is coming up here in 10 minutes. He, uh, he has been very playful with us in the past. I'm trying to remember. Can you help jog my memory as well? Howard came on earlier this year. And uh, there's two things that Howard keeps doing, and this bodes well for the 49ers. Do you remember when he came on toward the end of the baseball season and he scoffed at the idea of the, he goes, oh, the Phillies. This is like fine, they're okay, but they're not going to the World Series. That's stupid. Where'd the Phillies end up? Ended up in the World Series. Go back to like week three or four with Trey Lance situations still being discussed by this fan base. I remember Howard being like, look, we'll see where this goes with Trey, but you all understand that the 49ers aren't going to the Super Bowl this year, right? That's preposterous. I, I I wonder what Howard will have to say today now as the Eagles and 49ers get together for a trip. I wonder if he's a little bit more cocksure, a little bit more confident over his Eagles <laughs> than he was his Phillies because the Phillies were a surprise. They were not a dominant team in the National League. They were not really, quote, supposed to be there, and they made it all the way into the World Series and you know came close to, to making it happen and getting it done, but they didn't, and the Eagles in a different way they are supposed to be here they have been the dominant team in the nfc so i wonder if he doesn't change his tune a little bit especially knowing that this is going to be a home game and it's you know not the series it's a one piece for philadelphia and they are favored so i look forward to hearing from howard coming up at the top of the hour um, do we still have matt in the city who wanted to get in on shanahan um yeah matt let's go to matt in san francisco you're on willard and dibs what are you doing, Matt? Hey, I'm just stuck in traffic on 19th. Uh, so I was, I was listening Ugh. to you guys in dibs while I do. I, I totally agree that once you got towards halftime, the way Shanahan managed the game, that, that was the way it had to go. My issue watching over the weekend is if you look at the other three teams, everybody came out swinging, taking shots. And, you know, we did against Seattle. And Brock isn't Jimmy. He seems to play better when you let him get out there and mix it up. Even the pass to Kittle, they said he wasn't in the progressions. I don't know why it is that when we get into big games, especially against opponents we haven't seen, because obviously it wasn't a factor against Seattle, why Kyle seems to clutch his purse a bit and tighten things up. And i got to give it to Purdy that, you know, he's getting chased around and the play calling was, you know, pretty conservative. And he managed to at least get rid of it and avoid sacks for the most part, where I think... If that's Jimmy, we see some of those oh-no-Jimmy moments or sacks taken or worse. But I got to hope that Kyle comes out because the way the Eagles came out against New York, if they do that against us and we're doing the little live within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage until we figure it out at halftime, that could be a rough, rough second half. 
it's not going to look like that. Matt, I'll tell you, here's, here's something that nobody wants to hear. No fan loves this, but it's true. Sometimes conservative is right. It, it, it really is. Let me give you a number that I found a little bit crazy coming out of this game for Brock Purdy. Purdy was pressured, an official quarterback pressure, on over 48% of his dropbacks in this game against the Dallas Cowboys. That is the most in any single game for a 49er quarterback since 2020, going back two and a half seasons since it's been that much. And what happened? He never turned it over. How do you not turn it over in a situation where you're constantly being pressured? Two things. A, good decisions. B, conservative approach. Kyle Shanahan, I have no doubt, was in this young man's ear and said, we're going to get Dak a couple times. If you don't let them get you, if you don't turn the ball over, we are going to win this game. And he was right. So sometimes it's boring. Sometimes it makes you think like the offense isn't as good as we thought it was. But it was the right decision to play this thing close to the vest, turn it into a grinder, and right. win. Doesn't really have anything to do with what this weekend's game is exactly. going to look like. It's not going to work and last this weekend's, Yeah, last weekend's Eagles game was the way it was because the Giants let them run for like 200 and some odd yards. Yeah, 265, like, no I way that's No. That's not happening to the 49er defense. Well, and we can get more into the X's and O's. Larry and I did a ton of it yesterday in terms of uh, what this matchup is going to present as far as the difficulty, one thing that Larry was talking about yesterday that I totally agree with is the Eagles' interior defensive line is a dominant group. And the 49ers' interior yep. three, who have been overperforming all year, they've been great. They struggled a little bit against Dallas. The Niners were unable to establish anything on the ground in the first half. That's my number one worry is, can the 49ers hold up in the interior of their offensive line against the big boys of Philadelphia? But going back to the Dallas game, in terms of conservative play calling, and you know, Larry and I had a, di a difference of opinion on the fourth down call from the 38-yard line where uh, early in the game, Shanahan chose to punt, and they got the touchback, so they only gained 18 yards. I didn't think that it was worth the risk to try a Robbie Gold 55-yarder. You have a great defense. You were hoping to pin them inside the 10, maybe inside the 5. You didn't, but that whole game against Dallas was set up uh, from an approach standpoint to be a defensively-minded game. You knew early on that you weren't able to uh, impose your will on the ground. You weren't able to really move the ball against Dallas. So that game became one where field position and not turning it over were more important than taking chances. Yep, I agree with all of that. Look, for both teams, it was the best defense they've played all year, and, and, and you got a game where nobody got to 20 points, and uh, in many ways, that works into the 49ers' favor. Road to Glendale brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union, working for you today, tomorrow, together. It's Willard and Dibbs. We're going to yell at Howard Eskin next. Hopefully, he'll say the 49ers still have no shot to go to the Super Bowl, because whenever he says it, it, it ends up working in the exact opposite way. And also, you want to talk about the scapegoat for the Dallas Cowboys, I've never seen a team do to itself what the Cowboys social media team did to themselves over the weekend. We got to get to that, and we will, coming up next on Willard and Dibs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.